Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Now we're on. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it's Wednesday at 2 p.m. And it was a large week, a lot of Senate news. And then I actually have one story about uh, that you wrote, Miggy. Yeah. Yeah. The Lance Gore. Yeah. The Lance Gore piece. That was great. Uh, why don't you bring us up to speed on that one? So our friend Lance is in terrible need right now. Uh, he was so prison life, obviously, is not a good life. It's, it's where we send bad guys. And Lance was asked uh, to. Uh, Commit murder. He was asked to stab somebody, shank, whatever you want to use, and then to beat him with a padlock, and he refused. So with that being said, he stands out, and uh, uh, he's been forced into isolation because the feds want him to turn over whatever story's going on with the, uh, um, uh, like, you know, who who placed the hit or whatever fucking prison, uh, you know, it's, it's a culture. It's a, it's a life down there. And so uh, they want him to turn, and he's not turning because he still has another goddamn seven years to serve in prison. So, you seven know, seven more years, and then they wanted to say, sh- "There's that is crazy." And so, like, where did they put him though after all this shit went down? Well, he's in a special housing unit, which is called the Shoe, which is never a good place. It's it's isolation, pretty much. It's uh, um, uh, goddamn, and then is an isolation a form of torture? I believe in the Geneva, like, there's yeah, like, and, but aren't they doing it because they're worried that it's uh, retribution? Somebody's going to try to kill him, or are they doing it to punish him? No, they're doing it for punishment because they want him to turn over the information. Oh, they want him to squeal, yeah. So they're subjecting him to pretty much enough torture, uh, just so uh, they can get information, yeah. But you've heard that thing from that movie Vice that was really good, and it's about Dick Cheney, uh, you know. The United States doesn't torture, so if the United States did it, by definition, it's not torture. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We uh, we don't do anything bad. Um, no, so we I... do not. <laughs> but yeah. uh, did you see Cory Booker's statement that uh, political uh, fact rated as true? No. What, what was that? Uh, the statement was more arrests in the U.S. for marijuana possession than violent crime. Again, it's an easy uh, revenue generator. It's a uh, slim, p- it's easy pickings. Uh, you know, people don't want to work hard. 
No, they do not. But like, you know, and it's been, it wasn't just true in 2018. It was true in 2000, oh, I'm sorry, 17, 16, and 15. And, you know, violent crimes in blue, I think. And marijuana possession, of course, is in green. So, yeah. And again, Booker's right, I tell you, but that's that shouldn't necessarily be news. It's not the coolest news of the day. Coolest news of the day is probably has to do with the Safe Banking Act still. Oh, yeah. There's multiple stuff going on the federal level, right? The federal level's going faster than I thought they were going to go, but I still don't think they're going to go that fast because the election really starts next year. So they can posture, though, right? Yeah. Well, and again, the, the, the process alone is time-consuming, so... You know, what did these things get started? What, a year ago, two years ago? You know, these. Oh, man, like not really. I mean, the Safe Banking Act, I did videos on that in 18, so like the last Congress. And it's not only that, a lot of these bills, like the Safe Banking Act is just the most successful one thus far because they will go to committee to die. And there's a lot of the bills that will go to committee to die. For example, didn't you hear about that uh, Republican who, who quit, switched parties, and then immediately filed the uh, some cannabis rescheduling bill? Yeah, I sent you that text from uh, the Globe, also from Marijuana Moment. Uh, yeah, what is the name? Um, uh, shit, there it is. Justin Amash, uh, Missouri. Is that Missouri? Uh, I don't know. All I know is that what he filed essentially was kind of like not the Safe Banking Act, like the States Act, which essentially says that you know the the states will be able to trump the Fed. But I, I don't know if that's going to necessarily happen. Hopefully, hopefully, if the Safe Banking Act doesn't pass. And like it's it's not necessarily going to anywhere. It, it's not floor action. They aren't going to be putting it on the floor and debating it. Here, let me share my screen with you real quick. Yeah. But on um, Tuesday, July twenty third, and this link right here is in the uh, comments or the description section of the YouTube. And so you can check back on this, and you'll actually see uh, these people have this hit hearing in committee in the senate so they got it out of committee uh in the congress and now they're going into committee in the senate they got out of committee in the congress and so hopefully that gets them floor action which where they can debate it and remember uh we do and i've also put a link to floor action in the uh, uh the comments or the description section as well and that's where uh the bill gets out of a committee and it comes up for debate amendments writers and then you can have a uh, final vote taken. So if they can get the, uh, and I already thought it was out of committee in, in one chamber of the Congress. And now if they can get it out of committee in the Senate and bring it up so that they can debate it and table debate and then table debate and then continue to table debate uh, and, and tack it into the budget like they kind of did with the farm bill eventually last year, that would be ridiculous. If we go into the next fiscal year with the Safe Banking Act being passed. Well, then, I don't know, did you remember that uh, article I sent you about the uh, the little girl and her lawsuit? I did, I did. That's actually on one of the, uh, the links that I was gonna go through. It's also in the description, but that little girl and her lawsuit was hearkening back to the argument that I raised in that uh, USB Yerba's or Satan Smoke Book, ah, Satan Smoke Book from 2010, dude. Yep, there it is. That's the yeah, art yeah. The cover. The art house cover. There's no ISBN number on that book. Uh, I I did not want it in any stores. But yeah. um, <laughs> so, I mean, so when you made these books, because I, I remember that's how we met. Freaking what? Eight years ago? Nine years ago? It was 2011, 2010. So yeah, eight yeah. or nine years ago. 
what was your you just wanted to get the word out is that the attention was like kind of just present a case and make people think no it's it's just like the judge was hinting at that case that we'll talk about i mean it's it's an arbitrary bullshit law that makes absolutely no sense and i realized that you see congress is the the line drawer they make the rules and then the, the courts, they just say, OK, well, Congress uh, drew that line and now uh, we're just going to interpret what it says. So they don't really like to uh, rule laws unconstitutional unless there's particular bases for it. And because cannabis regulation is at its core an economic regulation, I don't uh, I, I don't mind that uh, cannabis is sold or bought. I just think that at the end, it's going to be make sure you pay your tax on your cannabis sales. There you go. Now we don't have to have criminalized cannabis, but you can still have it be taxed. It's not like, and well, it is. I mean, it's like liquor in the sense that uh, with liquor, if you don't have your tax paid, it's it's moonshine, and that could be a crime. Fine, whatever. But uh, the actual classification of marijuana under the Controlled Substances Act Schedule One is so completely arbitrary to have it be any type of economic regulation makes no sense. But that's still not enough. You know, you have to go like a little bit further into it to its origins and its animosity and how it was completely just uh, racially biased and, and just lies. And then not only that, you have to look at how it's being currently enforced. And that's one of the reasons why in Illinois we have the, um, uh, the social equity aspects to the laws that we built in so that we can kind of repair the damage that's been going on in the drug yeah. war for the past 80 years. And then that in and of itself is more proof of the racial bias in the law. And so it's, it goes to what they call the rational basis with bite test of constitutionality for such you know, purportedly economic regulations, but that for some reason make no economic sense when this isn't even like liquor, you should just really be paying a tax on it. You shouldn't have it be criminalized. And why do you have it criminalized? Well, we had to change its name from cannabis to marijuana so that people didn't know what we were doing. And then we were trying to oppress blacks and Mexicans and, and then finally hippies. And, and it's just it doesn't make any sense. But that was and let me just go ahead and, and share my screen right now on that, um, that button and then that button and finally this button and present. And there you go. And so uh, extraordinary turn in federal lawsuit to reclassify cannabis. And so, you know, and this is, you know, it's marijuana because like we said, it, it, and it was schedule one. And of course, briefly, uh, there was no marijuana policy uh, between like 69 and 70. That's one of the reasons why it went so fast. But yeah, this, this, this charitable chap right here, it looks like he's seen a couple of cases and might know what he's doing. Uh, U.S. District Court Judge Alvin K. Hellerstein, and they did not exhaust their administrative remedies. Oh, let me jump off there and just explain. This is uh, an administrative revenue, uh, remedy which has never been exhausted, and it's actually one of the reasons why they built, built the law the way they did, was because it, it provides for reclassification. Again, Congress is drawing lines, and then you have the um, enforcement body, which is the executive, and they have this particular procedure, uh, the exhausting of the administrative um, remedies, the administrative remedies, where you essentially are like uh, a mouse into a maze, and the maze does not end. And so uh, it, those, those administrative remedies, you're supposed to exhaust and try to exhaust and try to exhaust, and then eventually you die and the case has gone on for 40 years and no, dismissed. It, it really stinks, but- um, But this is all I for hear, structure of business though, right? Uh, pardon? I, I mean, in the end, like all the Safe Baking Act and the Taxes Act, these are all for like business structure, like the, 
the infrastructure of things to come because kind of like they don't necessarily still undo the classification of cannabis as a controlled substance as schedule one controlled substance like the safe banking act just tells uh areas of the the, the executive the fdic regulators which i'm not sure exactly where they uh reside because it's the fdic it's a corporation i'm assuming more of the executive branch but i'm not sure how independent it is and it just essentially tells them to stand down and despite uh this being uh, the law of the land it's not uh, provided that the states are doing what they're supposed to be doing it doesn't like actually go to the controlled substances act like the farm bill did and just strike it and say like this stuff is out of the controlled substances act yeah. but you know yeah that's that's what it does my, my biggest thing is, I mean, because you're very about the legal side as far as, uh, you know, yeah. all legality has to do is paperwork pretty much, you know? A but, lot uh, of legality is paperwork. Yeah. And my biggest thing is at what point do you think, because smell is probable cause, when will, we, when will smell not be probable cause anymore? Because that's going to be a big thing, I think. Well, let me, let me, let me show you this then. I'd say that you know it's possible that the current law, though rational once, is now headed toward irrational uh, irrationality. One of those nice words that I really need to slow down on. If only I took Valium as opposed to caffeine. It may <laughs> even conceivably be that it has already gotten there. So you know it's that whole rational uh, basis argument, and he's hinting that it's probably already there, but they haven't quite. You know, exhausted their remedy, and to answer your question about the uh, the smell is probable cause, I would say that it is no longer probable cause uh, at all. And you know, you now would have to ask the person if you smelled it. Excuse me, sir, are you a medical marijuana patient or a hemp farmer? Because they're just smelling the terpenes, uh, yeah. and, and so you would need some other articulable facts besides something that it could be entirely harmless. You know? Yeah, and I, and I, and I think when we get to the point where smell can't be used against us. You know, that's going to be great strides for intercommerce, I think, you know, because it's going to be so passe at that point. <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. This, the cities and not the cities, the states in the south are kind of taking Indiana's lead on this and they're starting to ban smokable hemp flour again. Yeah, that one I don't get. Uh, did, did you see? Because uh, part of that hemp issue with the CBD and everything, um, a report came out probably about last month about how it's bad for your liver. Uh, yeah, I saw that. And then I saw some other stuff floating around from like normal that uh, THC or medical cannabis is good for your liver. Yeah. And so there's an, an article in Leafly that just came out where they, they talk about the CBD issue as far as uh, the, the, they debunked the study. You know, again, it's another it was high a ridiculous study. Like if you actually looked at it, it was a headline study. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, and that headline uh, should have had an asterisk and said, if you just take a field of hemp and condense it into CBD isolate and start eating it. Well, again, again uh, like with the, 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 the rats, when they consume, you know, that, that's all the rats were, were inhaling with the THC, you know, there was no, you know, and no then that, that was the one that caused the brain damage. Remember yeah. that was like this one from the seventies where it's like, and that was something that I remember dare and shit doing that back in the day. It's like, you can't smoke that weed. It will cause brain damage. They did studies on monkeys. That's called lack of oxygen. What happened to those fuckers? Breach. <laughs> hey, uh, the, the anonymous K says, uh, thanks for taking my phone call. Oh, yeah. I, I, I remember somebody telling me that, but I can't remember which one of it was, which one of them that was. 
I, okay. I've gotten so many calls that I've had to start booking uh, consults because like, that's the thing about uh, adult use cannabis, the way that they've set it up in Illinois, it is going to be expensive. And so if you can't even pay the consultation fee, which I will give you two free hours, if you actually then, if we decide to work together and that we're a good fit, uh, I don't know if cannabis is the industry for you, man. Well, that's the unfortunate thing for all these uh, recreational markets. You got to have some big money to to get started. And I think Oregon was the only one that uh, they just everybody they let everybody turnkey. You know, if you're a medical shop, you can just now today you're a recreational shop with the medical supplies. Um, you know, Washington, you had to reapply for licenses, uh, zoning re requirements, uh, the infrastructure that the pains and aches that these guys went through. A lot of people lost their their life savings just because uh, their township decided, you know what, we're going to do a moratorium, or uh, you know what, we're going to no longer uh, zoning's allowed, or whatever. Or uh, even like you have some small specs that need to be changed in your build out as it's going, and that delays your opening date for an extra three months, and you still have to pay rent on those, or or yeah. you didn't budget enough money to uh, like a six months worth of expenses after you open before you might actually start breaking even and like turning a profit, and people just do not, they want to get into the industry, but they don't uh, want to stomach how expensive it's going to be to get into the industry, uh, and then it's it's not like, like I've been looking at California's uh, methods simply because they're further along and you can see the very core their their course and they're very very small and generalized in illinois's uh law relative to how nuanced all the various licenses are in california and it really reflects a maturation process of the law so that's the other thing that they aren't banking into the cake they're just thinking that it is like you know a turnkey switch where it's going to be like and then i'm going to be growing marijuana and selling it right no well and then you know first you got yeah, reputable grower. You gotta have that experience with it. I mean, growing's hard. That does help. And yeah. then not only is, is it hard, it's been a totally illicit. And so like your grower may be, and that's one of the things that I'm gonna be researching now for uh, somebody and do a video on because I keep getting the question. Because a lot of these growers that, that are these operators that have experience in the cannabis space, like, um, I can't remember, well, he was a smuggler, but uh, they got popped and they might have a federal background. And so you're like, wait, you're gonna lock this grower out? And then what extent and what states lock those types of crimes out? Especially considering with the social equity aspect where if you would have been caught with like an ounce or less, then you'd be okay. But like if you caught, caught with too much, then suddenly you're gonna be locked out of the industry. What point is that? Well, that's what happened here in Washington with this uh, uh, a Washington state resident named Tyler Merquat. He, uh, had a federal charge against him, he can work in the industry here in Washington, but he can't own anything. He has no rights to ownership because he has that federal charge. Man, man. <laughs> you know, for, for a hippie state, that's we do a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah, for a hippies, that's right. You know, for a hippie state, you guys are kind of kind of crooked for a hippie state. You ever notice that? I'm telling you, man, people think that the Pacific Northwest is this uh, social justice warrior, hippie hugging fucking drum circle, but uh, you know, people in power are still dicks, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they are. And then speaking of, uh, somebody asked, you know, if marijuana is legitimate medical uses, why is it still a Schedule One drug? Uh, and, and not only that, why has there been a patent on it for a while? Let me tell you, because that's where Congress put it in 1970, after doing no investigation nor inquiry as to which scheduling it was supposed to be. So to mollify Democrats to go along with this bullshit, they attached part F to the Controlled Substances Act, 
And that was the Schaefer Commission. So basically they prohibited it and then they commissioned a study to see if they should have done what they did. And the study came back like two years thereafter in like 1973 or so and said, no, we never should have included this into the uh, Controlled Substances Act and it should be dec uh, decriminalized. And you know what Dick Nixon did? What's that? Oh, fucking nothing. Well, don't forget, not just not, not just Nick, uh, during Nixon's time, but the LaGuardia report. Oh, gosh, when was that from the LaGuardia report? I might have combated the first. Because huh. I mean, jazz was quite popular and they liked to, the reefer man was visited quite often. And so LaGuardia, that, what was that, 40s? 40s, yeah. But that would have been 10 years after the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act. So like he was standing up to it. At LaGuardia in the 40s. Yeah, he said it doesn't. It's not the the social harm that they thought thought it was. You know, it's and and let's not also. I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the patent for six six three zero five zero seven expires uh, this year. Oh, surprise, surprise! And now suddenly it looks like you know there's going to be a lot more openings for the CBD, and then eventually the THC will get there. THC is always going to be more regulated. Yeah, but. You know, we're way further than we were years ago. Oh, yeah. And then did you see what the uh, lawsuit did in Florida? No. Which one? Oh, man. There was a great lawsuit in Florida because the way they had set up the Florida Medical Marijuana Act it kind of made like what they were describing as an oligarchy. And so they, uh, the Florida Department of Health and the Office of Medical Use uh, sued uh, Florida Grown LLC and Voice of Freedom. Now, hang on. That's appellants, I believe. On appeal from the oh man, I, I can share this, you know why not? Uh, we can we can read the summary. We aren't going to read the entire uh, opinion, but uh, let's let's hit share on that and present. All right, hey, I can get rid of that one. Uh, but you know, here we are, and, and we'll zoom in a little bit because you can. And so this is brand new, came out, and so uh, the Department of Health challenged the trials court. So that's why they're on top up there. So the trial court ruled that uh, they enjoined uh, the Department of Health from registering or licensing any mar uh, medical marijuana treatment centers pursuant to the unconstitutional legislative scheme set forth in yada yada, uh, required by the to commence and then amend. And then unless the department could clearly demonstrate such registration would result in unsafe use of medical marijuana by qualifying patients. And they determined that the certain aspects of the injunction are overbroad and unsupported by the evidence and physical finding. And they, however, uphold the injunction to the extent that it requires the Department of Florida Grown request for licensure without applying to the portions of the statutory scheme, which this opinion identifies as being unconstitutional. And so what they were doing is they, they kind of had a, a pay for play aspect to the Florida law. If I remember the uh, summary from the article that came out. And uh, they had only a very few amount of people that were actually getting these licenses. And so whatever that was, uh, turned out to be unconstitutional. And then they, wow. they, the law illegally caps the number of licenses. So like, you know, the state, the states, and usually when they do the, I don't know, I mean, each state is different. And then Florida is its own special brand of crazy. And so like, if I wanted to get my Florida license, I'd have to go and pass their bar as well to understand how they do their law specifically. Florida is not as crazy as Louisiana. Louisiana is so unique as to all the other states. And I think it's the only one that has not common law, but civil law. Damn. Hey, you know, what, what, what's the state? It just seems to a lot of these states as they come, come out of the woodworks and are doing their former legalization, there's always some asshole that's 
not a lot of money and are trying to limit the licenses and the uh the access to the whole program um what well, what state was it recently i think it was last year that uh somebody from the boy band was investing into it and they were trying to change the law uh but they were going to only have two licenses and that's the only reason why the bill didn't pass is because they had a limit of licenses uh just no idea, but they have a limit of licenses in the bill that they just passed in Illinois. I think that's really what they had to address the supply issue. And I think that Illinois really addressed the supply issue as being way smaller than they anticipate. But that doesn't mean that you know, they can always go up. And yeah. I think that's kind of like, you know, it's harder to take something away than it is to open up space for a new one. Well, again, I'm pretty sure you'll hear this in Illinois eventually. But the biggest argument that people have is diversion. Their, their biggest fear is a successful American selling to other successful Americans, adults, you know? Uh, but diversion will be an issue for you guys that definitely, uh, that we hear a lot out here for our home grow argument. Yeah, the, uh, the Florida thing was that it was the vertical integration requirement was unconstitutional, which uh, made it you know, almost prohibitively expensive to try to get into the, uh, the, the Florida medical, marsh, uh, medical marijuana game. And so, um, it looks like that they uh, the law has illegally capped the number of licenses, and now uh, they've declared that law unconstitutional. So that has to really throw the because there's there's you know, almost two hundred thousand patients down in Florida. We're going to have to have a Florida cannabis lawyer to come on and explain to us what the f is going on in that state. Well, then that one we still have to be wary of. I've heard of uh, uh, instances. I mean, the lawyer field, you've got a good one with your uh, your being part of the business. Mm -hmm. uh, but years ago, I had friends that were kind of burned. Uh, there's a big name, uh, Minardi. I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, so, Minardi. Uh, He's yeah. it's a restaurant around here. Yeah, it just sounds just like it. But uh, this guy, I mean, he's done some good work. It seems like everybody's done good work, but they also done shitty things. You know, like... He made a lot of promises when it was medical to a lot of people about how, like, I'll take care of your paperwork. You'll be covered. Go ahead and grow. It's okay. And then they got in trouble. <laughs> and he walked away with a pocket full of money. So uh, Florida is one of those special states. But then again, it's Florida, Florida has it specifically. I mean, I thought Florida was the state for Medicare fraud. I just figured because of the pill factories, they would embrace marijuana easily. But well, you know, pill factories don't really necessarily want cannabis. I mean, it's kind of like whenever pills are, are the rage and then cannabis comes in, the, the demand for pills drops a fairly uh, sizable amount. Like if it was that JAMA study that I don't have right in front of me or I'd give a link to it. Uh, but it's it's essentially like when a state passes a medical marijuana law that enables uh, access for specifically pain and Illinois is not doing the best job on that. And so you have enough um supply to treat those patients, the the number of pills and usage and overdose just, just drops by about 25%. And it all should come down to our holistic option anyways. We all should have a chance to try something natural, you know, try some wheatgrass before I have to try a pill. Heck yeah. And you know who's got the worst on that? It's the veterans because the veterans, they have federal benefits. So they're mostly they're the ones that are the most uh, injured by the federal law because the federal law is really standing in everybody's way unless you're like in the states. And then those but then the, the, the veterans try to get federal benefits. And so uh, Catherine Clark, this representative, she just passed some, well, helped to pass something in Congress that protected uh, vets in the cannabis industry from not being denied benefits. 
So yeah. you know, good. I mean, it's it's taking time and it's like piecemeal because there's so many freaking laws that are out there that kind of need to be uh, either changed or you can change one law just like they did with the, the, the hemp aspect to the Controlled Substances Act and it's just out. And those are like, you know, the Mar no, Marijuana Justice Act is way bigger than that. But uh, like the Legalized Marijuana Act and legalize and, and there was another one that uh, I believe the senator from Oregon is it Wyden. He wanted to deschedule it, but also tax it at the federal level. And I'm like, come on, just just deschedule it at the federal level and let the states run it how they want and then tax it that way. So that the states are less dependent on the feds for taking money from the public, you know, Uncle Sugar. Did you watch the uh, the, 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 the the debates when they were arguing about uh, ways of legalization? That was kind of cool last what, last week when they were, um, you know, this. It's too early for me to be watching a Democratic debate. Not only that, um, I don't have cable, but I, I, I think they probably do stream them on YouTube. No, 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 no not, the, not the Democrat debates. The, it was in Congress. Remember the they were talking about legalization? They had oh, yeah, yeah, we did something on that a couple of weeks ago when they actually did have a hearing where they were going to discuss the various merits. And that's when we were like, all right, well, First, let's de defund it, and then let's pass the Safe Banking Act, and then let's let's use the Controlled Substances Act as a weapon against outside supply as the uh, the the nation's infrastructure for cannabis solidifies and matures. Hey, uh, so how about that text I sent you about Nevada? Man, I haven't even gotten a chance to pull that one up. So Nevada has just prohibit uh, rejection of job applicants for marijuana use. That's fantastic. And like, yeah. I think a lot of these discrimination uh, cases, they're being reported in the, the cannabis legal journals that I review. And one of them actually asked me to be on their um, editorial board. So now I get to start writing uh, you know, content for a, a cannabis law re report. And nice. so these types of, yeah, but these types of employment discriminations, they're coming up. They're coming up in the state of Illinois, especially for uh, patients that will be discriminated against for being patients. And it's, it's a problem in the sense that sometimes access to um, you know, good uh, plaintiff's counsel to help those uh, people that are being discriminated against uh, get that representation is difficult because those types of plaintiffs, they usually are, uh, they can't afford to pay. You know, their job is in jeopardy, so you have to do it on a contingency. And so you have to go to a law firm that has that business model and yeah. that experience with uh, taking those types of cases. Then it can be very, very difficult for the discriminated against to, to find those types of cannabis plaintiffs, lawyers, when it comes to employment issues. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dragged out in court issue, right? Where uh, you get followed from- yeah, You're court. probably gonna get a settlement. That's like, the I mean, it's not all that dissimilar to uh, the other type of contingency cases where a lot of them do settle. I mean, not all cases, you know, go to trial and, you know, that, and you arrest the case and all that, and then the, yeah. the jury deliberates. That's very, very few of them. So, uh, you know, but you still are able to reach some type of settlement uh, to get the victim uh, compensated by the employer. And there are large employers that are out there that discriminate against medical marijuana patients in the state of Illinois simply because they're medical marijuana patients in the state of Illinois. And they have, you know, I get calls all the time, like, I'm just not a plaintiff's counsel. So if somebody in Chicago uh, would like uh, to help uh, marijuana patients, in the state of Illinois, uh, get their rights when it comes to being discriminated against. Please do not leave it in the comments. Just Google cannabis lawyer and then you know find me at cannabisindustrylawyer.com and give me a call. Yeah, no, that, that that's definitely the thing, right? You need a criminal lawyer who's going to have the time to. 
Well, no, this isn't a criminal lawyer. This is an employment plaintiff's side oh, lawyer. And so okay. because you've been discriminated against, usually it would be you're discriminated against, you know, for your color, your sex, your, your disability. And in this case, you're being discriminated against simply because you are a medical marijuana patient. And in Illinois and a lot of other states, and it looks like now, and uh, it says, you know, governance, governance, uh, governance. Governor Steve Sisliak signed AB 132, which bars employers from denying jobs to cannabis consumers after pre-drug screenings. So that's a pretty cool law. I do not believe that the state of Illinois has gone that far yet. But again, it's the cannabis continuum. It evolves. So that, yeah. that protection might be in Illinois in three, four years. Well, you know, it's kind of like with the veteran thing that you were just talking about. Uh, that happened. There was an issue last month where somebody got denied. Uh, he couldn't get a VA loan. And and so that was the issue. You know, he, you're entitled to so many little benefits as a uh, a veteran, but uh, yeah, unless they don't, yeah, but that's the problem. I mean, because like these veterans, they do have those benefits, and they're federal benefits. And then if they do have like pain or PTSD from their service or, or any any other qualifying condition to and or find relief at all uh, in the use of a safer substance, they jeopardize a lot of those benefits. Yeah, well, I think in this case it was his pay stub. Uh, because he was being paid by a dispensary, he was a manager. He was a manager of a successful dispensary, and what was he supposed to do? Pay cash? <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, that, that's the other thing, because like in the scoring system for uh, Illinois, and then probably for other states that are going to be passing adult use cannabis, you get additional points for being a veteran. Yeah, no, it, it should definitely be a thing, and, and there's so much discrimination with the uh, with the employment lawyer type situation. Say it goes to court. All the selling, all these people selling, none of that can be used as a precedent, right? But if, say, something went to trial and then closes out, could that be a precedent? Uh, yes and no. Uh, in Illinois, and Illinois is kind of strange. We actually have what they call Rule 23 opinions in Illinois in the sense that you can go, you can win at the trial court level, go up on appeal, lose, and then not have it be reported, even though it's still kind of reported. But you can't cite to it, even though you still do cite to it, but then you can't rely on it. Uh, and so, yes, yes, that's right. Are lawyers fucking programmers? I'm just saying because it makes lawyers are so programmers. That's how I like was being. A, so like I would lawyer all day back. Like after I wrote the book, I started an app company, and then the the app company was for rewarding people who bought the book. And I just found out that I liked that better because uh, like imagine that your judge is like the compiler of your software except that the, it's it's like C++, so it'll compile anything. And, yeah. and, and not only that, it's just, a, you know, banana. It, it just makes no sense. And you're just like, and that's, that's why I have that picture of Dolly on my wall, because I'm like, welcome to litigation. This is where, uh, you know, ducks, ducks wear pants and balloons are actually bananas. Yeah, I mean, it was just like in that art, in the article I wrote with Lance, and I, and I, and I submitted his, um, his uh, 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 when he, he went back to court, God damn, I forget the name of it, uh, the appeal? Yeah, his appeal. I, I embedded his appeal into that um, article. And the reason why I embed it when people watch it is when they lay out his case, it just seems compelling to me. Like three judges should have been like, okay, this guy got raided in a legal state. We're doing all the right legal things that were at the time were being conducted. Uh, the argument I believe was that his lawyer was trying to say was because of the funding with the DEA. Like, when the DEA got involved, they should have stopped right there because it was already in a medical state. And uh, uh, well, they had to wait until they passed that budget 
And it was like, it, it goes back to the Obama administration. So the first defunding, I want to say, was 2014-15 Congress in there. So I don't know how they approach, because like if he is already in jail, uh, maybe that didn't do the the appropriation, because who knows, maybe our, our prisons are run by the House of Urban Development, and they do have... Uh, appropriations for for their expenses to enforce the uh, Controlled Substances Act, but the Department of Justice who convicts them and, and like prosecutes them, they don't. I'm not sure. It just seems though when they made the decision, it was based off of a technicality because the rates for him occurred in 2011, which was before the uh, the funding. Defunding. So, I mean, it's not retroactive is the problem. You know, it's not like, okay, but it should be. To me, it should be retroactive where it's like, okay. Well, like, was he complying with the state law? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Then that's that's weird. And not only is it weird, now they're asking this guy to, like, shank somebody. And then and then when he doesn't say who said what to whom, they put him in a hole. And, and that's how they control the prison population. That's the issue, right? No, that, that's, that's supposed to be uh, rehabilitation. Yeah, exactly, right? It's supposed to, you know, how are you making the world better by forcing Treating this Treating them more like an animal. And like, not only treating them like an animal, but extorting and, and, and putting them under pressure already, uh, like life or death pressure, and then leaning into that. And then let's add, too, that he is presently serving time in Oregon State, which is a recreational legal state. Yeah. So but I mean, had- I realized that, and that's one of the reasons why, like, yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, you should have weed only always be legalized, but you should definitely have it just be regulated in the sense that it's taxed. You know, it's not a crime to have uh, cannabis or it shouldn't be a crime to even do commerce in cannabis. It should be tax evasion, which may be a crime. And so that aspect of it, sure. But you, what's your punishment? Well, you didn't yeah. pay your tax. Well, pay your fucking tax. Well, I'm sorry. I curse a lot. Pay your lousy taxes. Well, that's the thing, right? American justice, we've deviated so far from what justice is. It's like uh, thought prisons were meant for bad people, not for... People trying to pay bills, uh, you know, cannabis has harm, you know, there's no harm. There's no toxic. Well, what about all that jazz music? That didn't harm our society? Well, that and uh, Ren and Stippy, you know, that, guy, that brought us Rock and roll, man. I tell you, we just did so much harm for our, our society because we had good music. Those <laughs> <laughs> damn hippies. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a fucked up thing. If anybody's watching this, I would like to say, uh, if you can, call the Sheridan uh, 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 Federal Penitentiary and ask him how Lance Glory is doing. Uh, Shoot, I, uh, I, I exited out the, um, the article. Otherwise, I could have put that on the screen. I already put the article in the, um, in the links, but I'm gonna copy the, uh, the phone number in the last sentence I wrote in the article and put it in there. Oh, cool. That way, uh, the number's there in the, in the comments. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the other thing. I'm sure that's what people want to hear. I just hope that they, if they get a whole bunch of phone calls, they're not dicks, and they're like, a lot of people call for you, man. I'm going to keep oh, you in there an extra day. Here's the problem, and, and, and they do do that. Uh, there's another guy in serving time, Craig Cecil. Uh, he uh, he was mistreated for a long time. He's serving in one of the hardest ones down in uh, Hot, Hot, uh, Terre Haute. Uh, Terre Haute, Indiana? Terre Haute. Yeah, Indiana, one of the worst uh, federal penitentiaries, and uh, he's been uh, pretty much brutalized. Uh, you know, he's got medical needs. He's an older guy. Uh, while he's been serving time, his dad died, his son died, uh, his daughter's fucking growing up. 
And so he's had several health issues behind bars because, you know, our well, what did he do to deserve this? He was what a mechanic. He was a mechanic. I'm pretty sure being a mechanic's not a federal crime. He what was landed him there? Huh? How many plants? Uh no, he was a mechanic for a drug trafficking ring, but he wasn't the he wasn't the, 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 he didn't, and it was all cannabis. It was all marijuana for this ring. It was from Florida. So he's, to, he's, a comp, he's just an accomplice. Yeah. He was he's just a, the guy that. He's the guy that's just fixing their cars so that they can keep running their illegal cannabis. Yeah. And so while everybody else rolled over and he didn't roll over, whatever, you know, he faced the worst time. I think he's serving, he's been in for 20 some odd years. Uh, but because of his health issues, we've done phone calls and barraging and, uh, you know, they, they do fucking, they fuck with you guys. They fuck with them inside behind bars. They, 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 they prod them. They, they don't have to feed them right away. I mean, there's different ways that you can subject somebody to torture or, or, or I mean, why do we even want that? Like, why is that such a viable, like career choice in the country? Well, yeah, I just don't get how these guards, these correctional officers, uh, uh, feel the need to, uh, uh punish someone. For cannabis. Well, like, wait, wait. Why do we and our, our elected officials feel like we need to create an entire rubric where we're going to have just like a prison industry because we have made certain substances illegal? And then these substances can either be like, you know, like marijuana, which is scores fairly low on the addiction profile, or they can be very, very addictive prone. But meanwhile, the uh, other two substances that were totally awful and quite lethal. Uh, and also have addiction prones. Uh, so you're not really going to be stopping addiction by not addressing cigarettes, and by that I mean tobacco and alcohol, but yet you're preferencing what addictions will allow you to be dehumanized and then put into a box. Yeah, it seems to me that we slowly evolve with the uh, the privatization of the prisons, which helped create that, you know? As soon as you give someone a, a blank check and say- No uh, profit motive. Yeah. Put people in there, you know. Not only do they win because they own the building and, and get the the monthly stipend, the cops win because they get credit, they get uh, whatever awards. You know about that recent officer that just got busted for planting evidence in Florida? I believe Again, it was Florida. Florida. So nothing, nothing, no headline with the word Florida attached to it, aside from like Florida scientist wins Nobel Prize for memory or something like that, would really surprise me. That would be amazing. Actually, no, this wasn't, yeah, this is Tallahassee. This uh, prosecutor, she noticed uh, inconsistencies with this one particular officer's arrest. Apparently, he had a lot of uh, arrest, and uh, so when she questioned it, she found that he was planning evidence. I'd like uh, to retract my, uh, my Florida comments regarding uh, their lack of intelligence. It looks like they do have some smart investigators down in that state. You know, there's some good people sometimes. So. There's always good people sometimes, but then some, unfortunately, the assholes in the room tend to have no problem resorting to violence pretty quick. Yeah, well, and this is the problem, right? Because we have some of those people, those assholes are in charge and wear badges and put, you know, you and me, and this is the problem. Whenever I say it's just us versus them, it's people willing to put me behind bars, willing to take my life away when, goddamn, I know I'm not perfect. I've done some fucked up shit. But none of it's worth putting me behind bars. You know? No, no. I mean, like that's the thing. I mean, I realized that you were running some untaxed cannabis and, and that that is a crime. But why isn't. All right. So it's you had supply diversion. And then, I mean, it's also a health risk in the sense that who knows what you were putting on your plants when you were fertilizing them. And so that's why you're supposed to have lawful channels of this uh, substance that can be grown 
and it could be safe and it could be taxed. I realize it. You're you're scoffing the law. Pay your taxes. Then why are we just going to waste additional money on them as opposed to getting a judgment against them? Why are we going to then put them into federal prison and and waste money and then dehumanize them so that they're more likely to come back there as opposed to say you owe us fifty thousand dollars? And this all comes back to Corey Burke's statement about the arrest. I mean, you know, the fact that there's more arrests for just cannabis versus violent. Like, can we stop the real fucking bad guys by now? Can yeah. We- what's the what's the problem with the arrest? Doesn't that arrest usually have a lot of negative uh, repercussions on your employability, on your financial condition, on your future? Yeah. The war on drugs does more harm to Americans than it does to actually help uh, the whole situation. I mean, it's kind of like our immigration issue right now. Like. You know, uh, why is an issue all of a sudden, you know, it's, you know, we're not treating the actual uh, problem when it comes to, you know, there was open borders at one time. You know, there's always this brown boogeyman. You know, there it doesn't have to be. They're just human beings. It used to be to... called uh, the, uh, the reefer man. There you that go. Guy, that guy was a very, very spooky man. Back in the, was Jewish. The, the reefer man was Jewish. Yeah, he was a white Jewish guy in uh, 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 New York. Uh, that's right. I remember that uh, the Grass is Greener documentary on Netflix covered that, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty cool reefer man. That was a good goddamn documentary. I learned so much from that one. Yeah, the history aspect of it is just so fascinating. That's one of the reasons why I I did that that book uh, ten years ago, and it would have been great to have the luxury to be able to pour over all those resources that they used in making the documentary for Netflix. But the, the story of it, and I don't think they really focused on LaGuardia that much in that documentary, though. I don't recall that aspect to it. No, I don't think it was mentioned at all. It was just most, which it would have been a good thing to point out as far as like early, you know, pushback on. Yeah, New York. Because I mean, like yeah. if, if the reefer man is that, is that relationship with jazz in New York in the 40s, you know, through the early 60s, uh, and probably even today, if you've talked to some people, I'm sure they would say that. Uh, but it, it, it kind of is interesting that they uh, didn't explore that aspect. But, you know, there's only so much footage that you can do. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just misinformation out there from the years. And, and, and Yeah, that's one of the things that, I mean, with the regulations for uh, new dietary ingredients when it comes to hemp and CBD uh, supplementation. So back in like 94, they passed this, you know, uh, law called the SHEA. And so if you were in existence in the public food supply before 1994, you didn't have to get uh, new dietary ingredient status. But uh, they're, so they're saying that these, these CBD uh, isolates and, and spectrum extracts and supplements, those are, CBD is a new dietary ingredient. But if you look at the actual science, there's, because uh, we, have I asked you this, what was found first, CBD or THC and in what year? No, I don't know. All right. Well, uh, thank God you stuck around, everybody, until uh, minute 45 of this. Now you're going to learn which one came first, CBD or THC. Now, of course, neither one of them really did. But when it comes to the terms of like which one was isolated and discovered by Western science first, CBD was first isolated and discovered in 1940. And there's uh, an actual paper from the American Journal of Chemistry or something that I've cited in a a presentation that I'll be giving in a couple of months to a seminar. Uh, about this. And then in 1964, of course, the I can't remember his name, but the man from Israel isolated uh, the THC aspect to uh, the cannabis. Uh, Raphael Mechelum. 
that's the man. And so, yeah, they, it's, and then the issue is, well, was this extract in the food supply before 1994? And we have papers and then from 1940 where this extract was identified. And then you had medicine because, uh, again, the cannabis, the hemp extracts, they were actually, you could go to the drugstore and get them. Does well, that qualify? That um, 1942 study you just mentioned is, is referenced in the uh, 6630507 patent. Does not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah, I just posted the link too. I just love how like the more you peel this onion, the more it's just like, it's just bullshit to its absolute core. And like you just are, it's it's very disillusioning because when you are raised, uh, especially when you're raised like, you know, kind of how I was, uh, you just when I came up, Reagan was president, the Cold War was something that was real and we were winning it, you know, we're good, they're bad, all that type of stuff. And then you get, you know, into your uh, later years and you find out like, hey, uh, I'm gonna just smoke some of this weed in college. And you look into that and you're like, wait a second, how many things are they lying to us about? Yeah, you smoke the weed while you're smoking or drinking a beer the day before with a hangover, and then you're like, big difference, <laughs> you know, big big difference. Why is one legal, one not? Why, why, you know, there's a lot of whys all the time, and uh, uh, definitely when the veil gets disillusioned, it's kind of like finding out Santa Claus or no one else celebrates your birthday. You're kind of like, what the fuck? Like all this time, I had blinders on, was thinking this is how life is, and Turns out my government is against me. Well, I understand that, but that's one of the reasons why America needs cannabis now in the 21st century more than ever, because the pace of change that will happen between 2020 and 2030 will boggle the mind of any pace of change that we've ever had in the history of our civilization. So thank God we'll have cannabis to keep us you know, generally mentally lubricated enough to be able to accept all the weird shit that's gonna come. I think it'll keep us grounded for sure. It does help. It does help. But uh, hey, I gotta end this. I gotta go to my uh, go back to work. And I'm going to also get back to work. I have several things that I've told clients that I would get them today, and then I have to follow up and see uh, who's called while I was on this. But thanks for coming on. And uh, next week, I, I reached out to somebody else who's an accountant on, and they have a great YouTube channel, and hopefully we'll have him on. And then we should really have a very special episode on a Tuesday and see if we can get Keith Strop to come on and explain to us all the amazing things that Normal has done. I'm down. Cool. All right. See you next time.